Let it rain on you on purpose. Hallelujah. I need a refreshing. I need a refreshing. Hallelujah. Bless his name. God is a good God, isn't he? Well, good evening, Shalom. Hallelujah. This is a celebration. And we ought to give God the best praise we have because God has given us a shepherd. Has given us a man of God. And you'll never ever let that get old on you. You ought to think of this as a brand new day. God has given us a shepherd. Come on, just give God, just take a moment and give God praise. Hallelujah. When you think about what you could have gotten, but he loved you enough to send you a Bishop Benjamin Watts. He could have went anywhere, but he's here. And for that, you ought to give God your praise. Don't take that for granted. Don't take it for granted. You, you need to take a look around at what's out there right now. God has given you something powerful. Somebody powerful. And I'm grateful. And personally, I'm, I'm godly proud that I know this man of God. And I've been praising God uh, for this man of God for a moment, for a while. Because I can tell you that as I look back over um, my life and, and see the different people who have had influence upon my life, without a doubt, Bishop Benjamin K. Watts has had the greatest influence. Now I have to tell you, it gotten me in trouble. <laughs> But it's good trouble. And it's the kind of trouble I don't mind having. Because if I'm going to be in trouble, I want to be on trouble, in trouble on the Lord's side. Amen. I'm just grateful. I'm not going to take up too much of time. Before I get in the Word, uh, I, I do believe that we should not just talk about how good he is, but we need to be talking about um, seeding into what God has given to us. And I know you may have had your program have this with you, and I, because this goes right directly to the message I'm preaching. Um, this is the reason why I'm bringing it up, because it's important that you understand um, that God has given you a great man of God, good ground. Somebody say good ground. And down through the years, 33 years, God has given us good ground to plant good seed into. So I'm just going to ask you, if you have your, um, your, um, your envelopes, and if you want to, if you don't have it, if you're not going to be here Sunday, you can turn it in today and uh, tonight. Amen? Is that, is that all right, Bishop? Amen. So I'm going to turn mine in now uh, because I'm not going to be here Sunday. <laughs> Amen. And my, I, I just might sneak in. I'm not going to say I'm not, but, I, but for right now. So I'm just going to turn this in for now. Cause, but if you don't have, if you're not going to be here, uh, please um, um, leave it here tonight. We want to be, we want you well represented here on uh, Sunday morning. 
You have a great man of God coming, Pastor Stalworth. Amen. And I am grateful that the Lord has given us, given me this opportunity to be here. Bishop, I love you, and I appreciate you so much. And you could have chosen someone else, one of your other sons in the ministry to come and share a word, but I'm grateful that you thought enough of me because when you called on me, I said, I ain't gonna never tell him no. Uh, I mean, I, and, and I thank God for him because he could take advantage of it, but he, he don't. Uh, I, I've said yes every time he has ever called me unless it was something extremely serious that I couldn't come. And plus, it, it was easy because I love Shiloh. I know I'm going to, I want to make sure I, I, I use all my time, and I want to give you a word from the Lord. And uh, I was looking at your uh, theme, it's coming from Jeremiah 3.15, and um, it's important that we, um, we've heard this text time after time. We have heard it down through the years, if you've been in any kind of, uh, of a pastoral anniversary, this is one of the popular ones. And many people love to quote this scripture and they get happy off of it. But the truth of the matter is that many people don't really understand what the repercussions of this means when God gives you a pastor according to God. So I want you to just look at um, Jeremiah um, 3.15. And it says this way, and it is important. I want to add to that the 16th verse also, because a lot of us, we tend to skip that 16th verse. It's important that you pay attention to that 16th verse, because that is the result of when you have a pastor, according to my heart. It says in the Word of God, I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass when ye be multiplied and increase in the land. In those days, saith the Lord, there shall no, say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that it will empower our lives, God, to appreciate the gift you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for this great man of God. Let it be an encouragement to him. For even though he's been in this journey for 33 years, there's still need for encouragement. So encourage him now, God, to go a little further. In Jesus' name, amen. I love reading autobiographies and biographies primarily because I like to know something about not only the doings of a person, I like to know the why. I love reading books that speaks to not only the good, but also to the bad. 
I like reading those books because when you begin to look into the lives of these individuals and uh, uh, you begin to discover the greatness of what, if they're a great man of God or, or whatever they may be, you, you can see signs of what really is driving their lives. And Jeremiah is one that I particularly love because he is a man of God that God has used down through the years to help propel me to be the man of God that I am. I, take, I love taking a look, a close look at these men of God and, I'm, and Jeremiah is a man of God that I appreciate because this man preached in a time of rebellion, challenging times, moral decline. And I don't know about you, but when you, he didn't call him in a, in a season where everybody loved Jesus. And he didn't call him when there was a time when everybody was loving God, but they were in a decline. And, and we are finding that same parallel even today that we are called into a generation, a culture that is in a moral decline. Jeremiah preached for almost 47 years. And during those 47 years that he preached, he saw no positive response to his preaching. No one said amen. No one said, thank you, Lord. But what he did get was a beatdown. The response that he received was nothing like what he thought he was going to get. I can imagine that when you get called to preach like me, I, I was all excited because I'm going to change the world. Folks going to get saved and people going to get delivered. And I'm going to preach this word straight. Never will it dawn on you that the possibility that folk will turn from the truth and rebel against God's word. Now, this is not just the problem of the culture, because not only is there a moral decline in the culture, but there's a moral decline in the house of God. And I know that it is very painful to hear because many of us, we would like to think that we are always on track with God. And here comes a man of God that is, that is chasing after God's heart. And God has promised that in spite of our moral decline, in spite of our rebellion, God is going to give you an olive branch of grace in spite of you, I'm going to send you a man of God. I'm going to give you a pastor that is according to my heart. Now, you need to understand that that's good news in a time of decline. That's, that's good news when you are facing a culture that is bent on being on rebellious towards God. And many of us today, we don't think much of pastors anymore. And we don't think much of them because there's such a decline of good quality preachers. And everybody is trying to grab a mic without properly being prepared for the work that God has called them to do. Everybody that act like they can have a hoop think they can preach now. But you need to understand pastor, being a pastor needs, means more than just being to be eloquent with the words that come forth out of your mouth. And God needs a man of God that is going to be able to have his heart. 
not the people's heart, not his own heart, but God's heart. And we, we, we love it. We shout and we dance when we say, yes, God has given us a pastor according to his heart. And we shout, but we really don't understand what that really means. And I just stopped by to give you the understanding because if you are excited about having a pastor, you need to understand the whole story. Because you need to understand that it doesn't mean, is it, it didn't say that I'm going to give you a pastor after your heart. Oh, uh, y'all better, better hear this. Because many of us, when we, we get excited, we, we're excited about the portion of him that makes him priest. Somebody say priest. Because we love the pastor when he's, when he's in his office of a priest, where he stands in the gap and he prays for the people. And we love him when he's a priest, when he's praying. And not only is he's also giving a word of encouragement, we love him when he's priest. But the minute he turns prophet, the minute he begins to get a word from the Lord that comes from the heart of God, that's when folks begin to lose their mind. And you need to understand that when you have a man of God that is chasing after God's heart, you need to understand it would always be a challenge for you to receive it because it would not be your way. I, one of my... One of my scriptures that I, I live my life, I have my life scripture. My life scripture is St. John 15, 7. And it says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. All right, I better say that again. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Many of us tend to skip past the part where it says, if you abide in me. We skip past the part where it says, and my words abide in you. But we get excited about the part where it says, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. But the truth of the matter is that a true pastor, a true man of God, a true woman of God, is one who has his heart connected to God. No, I'm not going to take that back. Not connected transformed ah yes because there is no resemblance of himself he began to hear God's word and he began to infiltrate that word into his own heart and he begins to talk like God he began to, to live the way God wants him to live and he began to speak with the boldness that no one will understand and I'm and since I've been pastoring I I'm beginning to understand more and more. God, I need your heart. Because everybody is trying to get me to have their heart. Everybody is trying to get me to be bent in their direction. Right here in this room, there's so many different directions, different ideas that you run me crazy trying to please everybody in here. The only person that God has called me to please is God himself. And when I think about this word, I will give you pastors according to my heart. It's a promise that he's making to us. And I just want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, yeah. I thank God he kept his promise.
He kept his promise. Bishop Watts been here for 33 years. And I don't know if you ever, I, I took some time to study the number 33. And would you not believe the number 33 means promise? <laughs> I want to tell you somebody that people are always making promises, but no one keeps them. But because God loves Shiloh so much, he kept his promise. I will give you a pastor of promise. Somebody say a pastor of promise. Because when you begin to look at what you have, could have gotten, and I said this earlier, God, God, is, God has been, been marvelous. But when you look at what Jeremiah been through, uh, I'm challenged. No one wants this job. Anybody's chasing after this job don't understand the nature of this job. Sometimes it makes you want to quit. But the promise that God has made to this ministry, to this church, to, to the promise that God has made to this ministry to tell you that I'm not just going to just send you just anybody. But I'm going to give you a man after my heart. Now, we need some folks that is going to be ready to hear a word that is going to go contrary to my thinking. A word that is going to challenge my heart. A word that is going to stretch me. A word that is going to cause me to say, no, I'm not doing that. That's the kind of pastor that you need because many of us want itching a pastor that will scratch our itch. A pastor that will, will cause us to be able to, to lift our hands and celebrate. But how many of you know that God needs a man of God that is going to offend us sometimes? I've heard somebody say, well, if you don't get offended by the pastor, at some point, he ain't preaching. And I've heard so many people come and say, pastor, uh, you preaching on me and and somebody must have told you something. I don't know if Bishop get that kind of problem, but, but I have folk come in my office. You had no right, Pastor, <laughs> to put my business out there like that. It was, it was none of your business. I don't know who told you, but you had no right. And you know what I just quietly said? Listen, don't get mad with God. Don't get mad with me. God put your business out. And not only did he put it out, but he sent you a word to let you know it's time to get right. In this season that we're in, and this is what I really want you to hear, in this season, we are in a moral decline. And we got all kinds of preaching coming across the pulpit. One of the kind of preaching I'm hearing more and more every day is what I call therapeutic preaching. Make me feel good. The feel good kind of, I, I, want, I want to feel better. I want the kind of message that is going to tell me it's going to be all right. The kind of message that is going to share with me that, that I'm, going to be, um, I'm going to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. And yes, that is true. God wants you to feel better, but he's more concerned about your heart changing in his direction. 
And I, I'm, I'm discovering that folks are beginning to realize that you can't get folks to shout when you tell them the truth. If you want folks to shout, if you want folks to come and be a part of your ministry, you're going to have to preach one of those feel-good messages. Those kind of messages that makes folks want to shout and dance and say, I'm going to be all right. But I, I've learned in my ministry, I've learned that there's three kinds of folks I minister to, and i got to be careful to make sure I minister what does saith the Lord. First, we got the, we, the first group of people that you have to deal with when you minister in this culture and this time is those who are desperate. And these are the folks that come Sunday after Sunday desperate to feel good. They, 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 they eat anything you tell them. They don't study their Bible. They don't have time to read it. They just want a word from the Lord that says it's going to be all right, baby. They want to hear a word that's going to tell them that tomorrow, this time, is going to be a different day. And you're going to find that everything that you've been going through is all over. They just want to feel good for the moment. And you got to be careful because they eat anything you tell them. And then you have the second group of people that you have to deal with. And that was a group of people who are called the religious professionals. Folks who know the word. Who hook a messiah and run up and down the aisle and know church bylaws and know church etiquette. They, they know church life, but they don't know anything about the life in Christ Jesus. We got a lot of religious professionals who wear suits and ties and love to quote scripture, but don't really understand the spirit of that scripture they they speak words without love but then we have a third group of people these are the people that i pray is right in this room these are the folk that want change i don't i just want to know if there's anybody in here that want change god i need you to change my heart lord no matter what it takes god break me shape me make me over again because I'm tired of being the old Jackie. I'm tired of being the old me. I want you to do a new thing in me. And God send me a word. That will challenge and transform my heart. Because God is not interested in, in just causing you to feel better. He wants you to change. And I, I, I've been hearing Bishop preach down through the years. And one of my favorite messages that he preached is overcoming your obstacles. Uh, you, may, you may not remember that one, but I remember that from almost 25 years ago. He, he preached overcoming your obstacles. And the reason why it touched my heart is not that it changed my circumstances. It changed my life. And when you get a word from the Lord, only a real man of God that can speak into your life and cause a change that go beyond what's happening around you, but begin to work its way on the inside. Because when you get the word in you, you begin to find something down on the inside. It's working on the outside. And oh, what a change. What a change is going to happen in me. And you need to understand that when you get a man of God that is going to preach change in your life, you need to look and understand that there's some things that you need to look for. The first thing you will find in the man of God.
is that he will have a heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, he have a heart that is broken with the things that breaks God's heart. Oh, you better hear that, saints. I want a pastor that has a heart that is broken, broken for the things that breaks God's heart. I'm so glad that I have a pastor that is not going with the flow, but is watching beyond my circumstances. And he sees what's broken in my life. He said, I'm not gonna pray that you get a new house. I'm not gonna pray you get a new car. But I'm gonna pray that what is broken in your life, that God would do a new thing. Somebody say yes. Do it, Lord. Make me over again. I'm broken. Fix me, Jesus. Fix me right now. I can't make it without a word from the Lord. Somebody say yes. I'm broken. And I came in this place trying to act like I got it all together. But when a pastor has his heart broken for the thing that breaks God's heart, he'll look at you and look past what you look like and look past your three-piece suit and look past how good you look. And, and God will identify what is broken and, and give him a divine word to speak to the brokenness and, and put the pieces back together again. Somebody said, Lord, I'm broken. I need a pastor to tell me, show me what I need to do to get my life back together again. I've been broken. I've been bruised all my life. But thank be to God, God gave me a promise. He's going to send me a pastor. Thank be to God. I've been messed up from the flow up. But I got a pastor that is willing to go past my stuff. Look beyond my stuff and tell me what the say the Lord. Say the Lord. Watch this, watch this. There were times when we were broken. We tried to fix it ourselves. And we tried to fool one another. We put our scripture to our brokenness. We put church life to our brokenness. But God said they ain't gonna be good enough 
your plans is not going to be good enough but you need a pastor that is going to tell you you don't need to add anything all you need is a heart transplant say God take this stony heart of mine and give me a heart a heart of flesh I want to chase after you God will give you a pastor where his heart is broken for the things that break his heart because you may not like what he's going to say to you because it's going to hurt your ego because you think you were all of that you thought you were fixed you thought that you had it straight but Jeremiah kept on preaching when everybody kept saying peace 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 Jeremiah kept on preaching and I just can imagine that some of you said I got it right pastor but every time you hear that word it challenges everything in you and you got one or two choices you either say yeah Lord fix me or either I ain't paying him no mind this ain't me let me give you another thing that God gives you in the pastor I'm almost finished really God gives you a pastor who has a heart that is bent towards reconciliation that's his ministry when you have a heart like God's you don't make sense no wonder pastors have trouble no wonder pastors get cussed out because he speaks truth to ignorance truth to egos and when folks begin to hear it they look at him and say who do you think you are And what have you done for me lately? And how, how dare you? But the word is in him. And he, has, he is empowered to preach the word in season and out of season. I, I want to tell you, say, say, it would make sense to me, and I, I, maybe it's just me, that if the Lord has given us a pastor after God's own heart. It is highly likely he is going to have directions that won't make sense to me. Y'all said all right. I heard that. It makes it, it will be highly unlikely when you have a pastor after God's heart and you really want that. How many really want that? It is highly likely he's going to give a word that makes no sense to you. Now nah, you, you, you missed it again. Because at some point, you're going to just going to have to, because when you have a pastor who has a heart for reconciliation, 
he's going to always going to be in a direction of making truth go in a direction in your life of doing things you don't want to do. I, I want to share this story because it, it really blessed my heart, Bishop. I don't know if you heard this story. I, I was riding down south and um, I liked listening to different radio programs and this one radio program, they were caught my attention because they were doing something they don't, I've never heard any uh, secular radio station do and they were interviewing a pastor. He was 97 years old, a pastor who is retiring and his deacon was sitting right next to him and, and in the radio station, he was 87, 86 years old. And they were interviewing him and asking him all kinds of questions of what, what, what's, what's your secret? What's the success? You've been the pastor of this church for 60 odd years. I can't remember when, but how many years, but it was over 60 years pastoring this church. And they asked him, what, what, what's your secret to, to ministry? And he said, simply, keep your eyes on the Lord. And the second thing they asked him, how do you manage to lead so many people with different mindsets and different attitudes? He said, how do you lead? And he said, keep your eyes on the Lord. He said, how do you deal with conflicts and that, that, that cause people to act ugly? How do you deal with that? How do you fix it? He said, keep your eyes on the Lord. But finally, they, they saw... I, I could tell they were getting tired of him just saying keep their eyes on the Lord. So they, they, they took their, their, their focus off of his words and they saw a scar down his head. And they said, and they thought there must be a good story in that. And they said, Pastor, I see that real nasty scar down the center of your head. Can you tell, that's got to be a story. Can you tell us about that? And he said, no, I don't want to talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about that. And and the, and, the, and the interviewer kept on insisting. He said, no, no, no. You won't have to leave that one alone. And his deacon, 86-year-old, said, Pastor, that's all right. I'll tell it. He said, no, you don't have to know, Pastor. I think I need to tell it. He says, uh, he says sir, about almost 50 years ago, um, this man, this almost 60 years, 60 years ago when he came to our church, um, this man of God came and I was a deacon then. I was a young deacon, hadn't been too long, been a deacon. And, and it wasn't long before he discovered that I was having an affair with the usher that sat at the door. And he discovered it and he took the time to come to my house uh, while I was having dinner with my family. And he came over and he asked me to step outside and, and I stepped outside and he said, he said, Dig, you know I love you. And he said, yeah, pastor, I know you love me. He said, but your affair is going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your children. It's going to destroy your family and ultimately destroy your relationship with God. He said, Yo, he said, sir, I was so angry that of his audacity to step to me with this, that I went back in the house 
and I got a hatchet. And I went back in outside. When his back was turned to me, I hit him right over his head. I meant to kill him. They came and they took me to jail and I found out three weeks later, he was still alive. They gave me 25 years in prison. My family left me, everybody left me. But a year after I was in prison, I got my first visitor and that visitor was this pastor. But I wouldn't see him. Every month he came to see me and I turned him down. For, for the next 24 years he came to see me and I turned him down. Never once did I see him. And when my time was up and I got out of prison, I came out nobody was there to wait for me. I was expecting no one to be waiting for me. And there he was waiting for me to give me a ride. And I walked away from him and kept on walking. But this pastor said, come on, boy, you need to get in the car. He said, I'm all right. I want to help you get your life back together again. He said, no, I'm not getting in the car. He said, you know, I love you still. And I meant when I said, you know, I love you. Eventually, tears came rolling down his eyes and he gets into the car. And this man began a full court press and getting his life back together. And he, he helped him find a job. And he helped him to find a place to live on his own. And, and then finally, he helped him to get himself back into the church. And when he came back to the church, the church was not too friendly. And they remember what he did. They remember even the, the usher was still there. That he was having an affair and she, she was still there and, and she had the nerve to act like she didn't know him. The church dismissed him, and he stayed right there with him. I stayed there for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and after 20 years, he had taught this church what reconciliation looks like. Of how he treated me. And it wasn't long that I got back in good graces with this church and he made me a deacon all over again. And I've been beside this man of God ever since. This is a walking example of what ministry of reconciliation looks like. And I'm, I'm, I'm finished because this is the second one because I want you to get this because I deliberately wanted to make sure I'm talking right now. I want you to understand that the ministry that all of us have is the ministry of reconciliation. God has given this man, I watched this man go through some stuff that has taught me how to graciously take criticism, to graciously have people, I've had folks, I've said this before, I've had folks come to my office and cuss me out and then go upstairs and sing what a friend we have in Jesus.
I've had folks get in my face. In fact, I got cussed out yesterday. Yesterday. I got fussed out yesterday. And God taught me through the life of this man of God how to hold my tongue. But not just to hold my tongue, but to reach out. You have a pastor after God's heart. And I want to challenge you to take good care of him. Because it's going to be hard to find another one. I want to close with this because I know when my time is up. I know that there are challenging days that you're going to have. And I'm speaking from my heart because I, I've had some moments where I wanted to quit. And I wanted to stop. Bishop knows that I called him a couple, many a days in the past. I'm, 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 I'm finished. I want to stop. This hurts too bad. I don't want to do this anymore. And he said, wow. Lord have mercy. Hang on in there, Reverend. Hang on in there, Reverend. And he said something to me so profound. He said, don't let the devil win. I don't know who have been talking to you to stick around for 33 years, because I know you've been hurt, and I know you've been wounded. I don't know who's been helping you get through it, but you have been helping me. I pray somebody's talking to you like you've been talking to me. But I want to say to you, saints, that it's easy to forget that God has promised you something, and he's kept it. But don't get mad that he kept it soon as you get it. You know how God gives you what you want and then you get it, you get mad. Because it's not what you wanted. God giving you a man of God that is not going to be the kind of preacher that is gonna tell you what you wanna hear. He's gonna see stuff in you that you don't even see. And I'm, many times he said some stuff to me and I said, okay, I didn't see it. But, I, but later on I said, wow, that's it. I want you to even consider to let God use him to bless your life. I'm finished. Shallow, I'm with you in honoring this promise that God has kept in this man of God. And I'm, I'm grateful. So I'm asking you if you stand with me. And I'm going to turn over the hands of those who's in charge, but I have to do this because it's, it's important that we get a refreshing. Um, You've been watching him from 33 years of, 33 years of lenses, eyes, and 
right now we need a refreshing of how we see Pastor Watts. I know he's a man just like every, like, like not everybody, but like, <laughs> he's a man, he's human like everybody else. <laughs> and he is subject to fall like everyone else. And even though he is a man that is chasing after God's heart, he's a giver, he's a man who is always trying to find ways to bring people together and to fix what's broken in us, we still need to pray for him because the enemy is picking them off one by one. There's not been one ugly story I've heard. There's only one complaint I heard about you, Pastor, is that you keep challenging people. They need to be in the word. People get mad about that. And I get that tame, that anger too. Pastor need to mind his business. It's my business if I go to church or not. It's my business if I come to Bible study or not. So let's pray for it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now, God, that you will bless our leader. Thank you, God, for his heart, God, to, that has been broken with the things that have been broken in your heart. God, let him see those things in us, oh God, that is broken, God, and that you would give him a divine word that will speak into our lives, that will cause us to be able to be transformed into a new creation in you. Give us a seeking heart to be ready to hear what he has to say. We recognize, God, that it's not him we are seeking after, but we are seeking after the voice, your voice, God, that is coming through this man of God. I pray now, God, that you give us fresh eyes, give us an honoring spirit, so that we may, God, honor this man of God, not just in word, but also in deed, as well as in our gifts. So, God, we give him to you, we surrender our eyes, our senses, our mind, so that you can give us a refreshing and appreciation for the gift and the promise you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for keeping your promise. We would have never made it this far without that promise. A pastor, a real pastor, after your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.